Today on episode number 902 of the School of Podcasting, we're talking with Courtney Elmer about having a successful podcast launch. Now, if you're like, well, I launched years ago. No, no, hold on. You better go back and make sure you checked all these boxes. And we got a quick update about YouTube music. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting Sense 2005. I am your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you are new to the show, this is where if you have an idea, I help you launch. If you already got a podcast, I help you grow. And if you want to, I can help you monetize. My website, schoolofpodcasting.com, and you can use the coupon code LISTENER, that's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, when you sign up for either a monthly or yearly subscription. And today, we are talking podcast launch. But before you go tuning out, like I've been doing a podcast for four years, uh, there's some things here. I remember once uh, when uh, Bill Belichick is, uh, for my friends across the pond, he's a really successful football coach. He's won the Super Bowl like five or six times. Not when he was in my town, of course, but uh, when he moved to New England. And he said that one of the reasons he thinks he is successful is because every whatever training camp, he says, we go back and we study the basics. And so sometimes I see this all the time with people that are on like episode 176 and they're still naming their podcast episode 16. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's not good. So today we are talking with Courtney Elmer from TheEffortlessLife.co. She is someone who helps you become a top 100 podcast host. So when we say top 100, we're not talking listen notes. If you haven't heard, that stat is absolutely bogus. So when people say, I'm in the top, yeah, okay. She's talking Apple. And I even kind of asked, like, does that do anything for you? But what I loved about Courtney is she restored my faith in interviews. And the lesson, it's a quick one here, and then we'll get to the interview, is if you have somebody and you go, I think they would be a good fit for my show. Mm-mm, that's not my criteria anymore. Cause I've had a few and look, those weren't bad interviews, but Courtney was one that I was like, man, I got to have her on the show. And she did not disappoint great tips and a great story. And other people that were not a bad interview, but I kind of had to massage. This was just one. When I was editing this, I was like, there's really nothing to edit here. This was brilliant. So uh, from, again, TheEffortlessLife.co, it's Courtney Elmer. Courtney, thanks for coming on the show. Dave, thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here with you. Well, one of the things I saw that you love to talk about is I'm kind of a, I, I am, I lean heavy into the logic side of, of world. And so when I saw that you kind of, de- you've delved into uh, the science of being into the the top 100 of Apple Podcasts, because everybody who hears that, you know, I'm trying to rank higher and, you know, people love to say rate and review me. It helps me get found, which Apple finally came out and said, no, it doesn't. When we think about getting into Apple Podcasts, what do you like coach people on doing? Yeah. So what we do is we work with people who want to have a podcast, but want to have a podcast that can drive leads and traffic to their business. So we primarily work with entrepreneurs, you know, who are looking to build their credibility. They're looking to get their message out there, reach a wider audience. But they want to do a podcast and they want to do it right. They don't want to waste their time on trial and error or trying to figure out how to make this thing successful. But they want to go into it with a plan so that it can be successful from the get-go. You know, and you and I both know, I mean, so many podcasts fail. I mean, they stop before they even really have a chance 
to get started. Right. You know, last I saw was episode six, people are quitting now. And it, that breaks my heart because there's so many people out there with a valuable message, but they go into it without a clear plan of action. So what we do is we give them a strategy that can help them break the top 100 when they launch early on, but that also gives them a really strong foundation to build from for the long term. Because like I tell people, I'm like, it's great to break the top 100, but we don't want that to just happen once. We want that to be something that you can hit again and again for the life of your podcast. Yeah. And I've always wondered when you finally break the top 100, do you see a massive spike of downloads like, oh, I've, I've reached the holy land now? Or, or what does it look like when you're in the top 100? Yeah. You know, it's really interesting. A lot of what we see, Dave, depends on the category that you're in. Mm. There's some categories that are ultra competitive. You know, your fitness, your business, your marketing, even self-improvement is really, really mm. competitive these days. But a lot of people think that they need tons of downloads, right? Thousands of downloads, tens of thousands of downloads. And often they're surprised to find that they need usually more than a few hundred to break into the top 100, unless you're in a really obscure category. But we had someone who landed number 90 when he relaunched his podcast with just over a thousand downloads. Now, part of that though, is the strategy that we teach people when they launch. And there's seven different things we teach them that make up our launch strategy. But one of them is to release the episodes on the quietest day of the week in their category. So you got to do a little research to find out what the quietest day of the week is. But what I mean by that, you know, if if you're Joe Rogan and you're Amy Porterfield and all of these, you know, top podcasters are releasing on a Tuesday, then they're pulling the downloads for the charts on that day. And they're driving the charts because the bulk of the downloads is going to them. We know downloads drive ranking. And so if you can kind of zig where they're zagging, right? Or zag where they zig, Mm. however that saying goes, then if you're releasing your episodes on the quieter day and you're driving downloads on that day, you increase your chances of being able to rank. It's not an automatic given. It doesn't mean you're going to rank, but you'll increase your chances. Yeah. Got a better shot. Yeah. You know, we had this one guy, he'd been podcasting for two years. He was getting 30 to 50 downloads per episode. And he was like, Courtney, this is, this is terrible. He's like, I love podcasting. I, I believe in the power of podcasting. I know what it can do. I know what it's done for other people. Why isn't it that way for me? So we took him through our process and we said, look, you're releasing your episodes right now on the busiest day of the week in your category. And he was in self-improvement, which is pretty popular. Everyone's wanting to better themselves, you know? Right. And and so we're like, you can continue to release your episodes on this day or based on what we know now about your listener, because we get really deep into the listener psychology. Who's this show for? When are they likely to be listening? He said, if you shift to releasing on this day of the week instead, not only is it going to be better for your listener, turns out that was the day they would be more likely to listen. They were corporate professionals. They're probably not listening in the middle of a Tuesday anyway, right? They're at work. So switch to the quieter day. And when he launched, he was able to pull the downloads. And I do believe that really helped him to be able to rank, right? Because he was no longer competing with some of these big guys. He was launching on a quieter day and that really helped him. It was to his advantage. Nice. And like you said, you just have to do the work. So I'm assuming you go to the charts, you look at who's on the chart, and then you go see what day they release. You make a little Excel spreadsheet, and then you figure out the day to uh, 
The quiet, the quieter. Yeah. Look, one. I've done it before with a pen and a paper, and I'm like Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and I'm writing little tallies. You know, next, okay, <laughs> this one's got this one. This one's got a, a daily podcast. Okay, one tally yeah. goes next to each day, right? And you just kind of process of elimination to figure out. I mean, there there's podcasts that are being released every day. Episodes are being released yeah. every day, but you know, you go through the top 100 podcasts in any category. It might take you 30 minutes or an hour to sit there and do that, but it gives you really valuable information that you can use to then help you strategize with your positioning for your show. Yeah. And I, I love that you mentioned entrepreneurs. For me, I think that's the top. If you're a business, the best way to, you know, really use podcasting is to use it as a marketing arm of your business without making it yet another sham wow commercial. Uh, so what do you see entrepreneurs doing? Cause it's one thing like, Oh, I'm in the blah, blah, blah industry. What's a typical strategy that you see them using? Yeah. So, you know, with podcasting, what's interesting for entrepreneurs, we see a lot of them not using any strategy when they go to mm. show. And they think, you know, if I can buy a, a great quality mic, figure out how to plug it in and hit record and get that episode published, as long as my content's good enough, then people are going to find the show and they're going to tell people about it and they're going to listen. And that's great and fine and all in theory. But let's say you were to open a bakery on a busy street corner in your downtown historic district in your, your city. Well, you might have the best baked goods in the world, but if nobody knows that you exist, if nobody knows that you have the best baked goods, uh, what room do you have to grow? You don't have room to grow. And this is the mistake that we see a lot of people making, business owners especially. And Dave, you know, I think a lot of people think that podcasting is going to be easy, right? How hard could it be to plug in a microphone and talk for 20 minutes about something I really love talking about and let me get that out there, right? It's great content. I'm giving away my best content for free, right? And we see people do this. And then we wind up having conversations with them six months in, a year in, two years in, and they're like, why isn't it working? And for three reasons. First and foremost, they haven't gotten deep enough on the psychology of their listener. And this is pillar one. Before we teach launch strategy, before we teach how to grow the thing long-term, we're teaching you how to become the host of a show which means understanding your listener and not just understanding who they are demographically, how old they are, what they do for a living, how many kids they have, whether they're married or not. It means understanding what are the problems that are keeping them up at night? And is your show positioned to solve those problems specifically? We see a lot of people that'll be, you know, here's the podcast for busy moms who are overwhelmed. And I'm like, all right, well, tell me more. It, how is that overwhelm showing up in their life? Oh, well, you know, they're yeah. just so tired all the time and they, they, they're frustrated and their kids aren't listening to them. And I'm like, well, tell me more. What does that look like? You know, most people are not clear on the problems that they solve for people. And that's step number one, step number zero. And so this is pillar one of what we teach. It's, we call it your binge-worthy content formula. There are actually five steps that a listener has to go through before they decide whether or not they're hitting play on your episode. I call them your content gatekeepers. Because look, if any one of those gates are not open, well, guess what? You lose them. So it doesn't matter how good the content is in your episodes if they can't even get to it. So this is, this is a big problem because this is why we see a lot of podcasters who struggle and business owners especially. All right. Well, are you going to share those five or, yes, or three yes, of five? Or five or, you know. Yes. So the gatekeepers here, you know, first and foremost, think about your user habits. When you're going to look at a podcast, say you're browsing a category of interest, right? Health and fitness. You know, it's 
going to be a new year here pretty soon at the time of this recording. And everyone's thinking, got that on our mind, right? Health and fitness. I'm going to browse this. And without even thinking about it, you're not conscious of this, but you're scrolling through and you're taking in the cover art of every single podcast before you even notice the name. It might happen a split second later that you notice the name. Before you even notice the name, you're noticing the cover art. That's gatekeeper number one. And I always point out Amy Porterfield as an example for this, because if you look at the top 10 shows in the marketing category, Amy's usually hovering somewhere in that top 10. (laughs) And if you take a screenshot and you squint your eyes and you look at the screen, you'll notice most of the artwork is really bold, bright, warm colors. We see a lot of yellows, a lot of hot pinks, a lot of oranges, and we see a few deeper colors like blacks and navy blues. What did Amy do? She went the complete opposite. Whereas Mm -hmm. most of the shows in that category look the same, right? From a quick scroll or a quick glance, Amy's is different. She's got this light gray background. Her shirt's like a sky blue. She's got a little yellow box behind her name. That's the only warm color we see. And the whole art exudes the vibe of her podcast. Online marketing made easy. You know, it feels light. It feels effortless. It feels easy. And more importantly, from a psychology perspective, it's different than the other shows in her category. Mm. So guess what your eye is going to do as you scroll? Which one do you think your eye is going to be drawn to? It's going to be drawn to the one that's different. And again, you're not conscious of this, but that's the first step to grabbing our listeners' attention. We've got to know how to pull their attention away from all the other stuff that's going on. And that's just gatekeeper number one. Gatekeeper number two is your name. And if your name is vague, and gosh, Dave, we could we could record a whole episode just about the name. <laughs> gosh, I mean, look yeah. through any category, you will see the mistakes. They're glaringly obvious. You know, the names uh, all the time, they're vague. They don't tell me what the show's about. Or they're named after Come the- on. The person who's hosting. I mean, look, yeah. podcasting. The is Dave Jackson exactly Power Hour. We know what that is. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's, you know? it's, a, it's, it's an hour of, about uh, apparently power. We're going to talk electricity. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Preach <laughs> right. on, girl. You know? And I mean, look, Sally Smith's show. Who's Sally Smith? Why should I care? Right? Your listener, if you're, if you're not Oprah, please don't name right. your show after yourself. You know, if you're not Dave Ramsey, yeah. you know, you can't get away with that. Don't make that mistake because if people don't already know who you are and you're not a public figure in that sense, then they won't know what you stand for, which means that they won't know whether or not you're relevant to them and whether or not they should spend their time listening. And they're sure as heck not going to sit there and research you to figure out, you know, if they vibe with you and if, if you're worth the listen. Right. So your name has to be clear and it needs to address a problem. This is why it's so important to know the problems that you're solving. Because it needs to address a problem. Mm. Look, Dave, in your name, you address a problem that people are experiencing. It's framed positively, right? School of podcasting. We're going to teach you how to podcast, how to be successful. But that's also implying that you're not successful with your podcast right now, at least to a degree. Or at least, you know, you don't have your podcast operating at the level you want it to be. Therefore, this would be a show that could help you solve that problem. Same thing with Amy. Online marketing made easy. Her shows for those business owners that are struggling with their online marketing game. So the name's really important. Because think about it. If your listener is not going to get past the cover art, you don't draw their attention, and your name doesn't grab them and compel them and explain to them what the show's about, you've lost them. 
they're never even going to click through to read the description, which is the next gatekeeper. Yeah. You know, you, you just lost them. I look, and I made this mistake. I've made every mistake in the book. <laughs> I look back at my podcasting journey and I have <laughs> to just laugh because, oh my gosh, it was a hot mess there for a minute where, you know, when I first launched the podcast, the name of our company is The Effortless Life. There's a lot of meaning in that name. But if you don't know me and you don't know what I stand for, that will absolutely mean nothing to you. You know, is, is this a podcast about becoming a Buddhist monk on effortless life? I, I don't know. I don't know what it is, you know? So we've rebranded the podcast a few times just for that reason, because, you know, if it's not immediately clear to someone how it's going to help them, then they're going to look for another show that does a better job of that. And then if you're lucky, right, if you've got those two pieces dialed in, they click through, they read your description next. Please don't make it 12 paragraphs about you. I don't need to know <laughs> that you've been featured in 24 different publications and that you've spoken at every conference under the sun in your industry for the past decade. Like, tell me what it is that you're going to do for me. And Dave, I don't know if you see this. I see this a lot where people get into podcasting and because we look at it as a credibility builder. Yes, it can be a lead generator. Yes, it can be a tool for just connecting with people and sharing your message. But it's a credibility credibility builder. And so a lot of people's ego takes center stage. They might not realize it, but they go into it making their podcast about them. And this is why you should listen to me because I'm really great and I'm an expert at what I do. And we've worked with these people as clients who come to us with podcasts that aren't growing. And I'm like, look, we need to stop talking so much about you. And they're like, oh, but how are people going to know that, that I'm you know, <laughs> worth my salt? And I'm like, because you're going to explain to them that you can solve their problem and they're not going to care. Because if you're finally the doctor who comes in and diagnoses the seven symptoms that you have that only show up between 3 and 4 p.m. in the afternoon on days that end in Y, well, guess what? You've got their attention. Right? And it's the same thing. Yeah. You know, how many of us have had that experience literally in the medical field where we, we might go see two, three, four doctors before we finally someone find someone who seems to get it. And then we've immediately got, we trust them because we're like, you understand me. And that's it. Yeah. We also don't need to know the whole history of, you know, Scott and Dave met in kindergarten and like, we don't, we don't care. Right. Like, it's just, how are you going, how are you going to help me? How are that's you going to help me? So your description you know, I usually recommend three, maybe four sentences. I need to go count how many R's is, but it's a short paragraph. It's skimmable. People are not stopping to read anymore. You know, they're not, they're, they're skimming things. They're really just looking to assess whether or not this show can help them. That's the bottom line. So if they read your description, yeah. what's the next thing they're going to do? They're going to scroll again and they're going to look through your recent episodes. And the next thing you're going to see are your episode titles. Now. Episode I, 16. Yes. Episode 102 with a guest so-and-so on how to, you know, manifest your dream life. Okay. Right. Right. And so. And of course that, that in, in, in the reader that shows episode 102 today with, you know, Jane Smith, how, and then we run out of room. Yes. And then it's cut off. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, don't bury the lead for your people. Lead with what you're going to teach and that what's the big takeaway that they're going to get in that episode? Why should they listen? 
I always put my guest name at the end of the episode. I know some people say not to do that. Lead with your guest because it's all about your guest. And I'm like, guess what? What my guest cares about is that people are listening to their episode. And it's my job as the host to get people to listen. And so I know that if I lead with the problem that this episode solves, that my people are going to be more likely to listen, which is a win for me. It's a win for my listener and it's a win for my guest because that's ultimately what we all want. We want listens, you know, or our listeners want their problems solved. And then if someone clicks through, there's still one last gatekeeper before they hit play. And that's the episode notes or the show notes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we see another mistake here where they're just too long. It's these big chunks of text. It's the transcript. Oh, my goodness. If you're listening right now and you're putting your transcript <laughs> in your show notes, please stop. Please stop. <laughs> There's a place for that. You can put it on your website. You can link to it in your show notes. If someone who needs the transcript, they will, they will go find it. I promise you. But what we need in your show notes is the last piece of information to convince us that the next 20 or 30 minutes that we're deciding right now whether or not we should spend with you is worth our time. So all you need is a hook, a few bullet points, let them know what they're going to walk away with by the end of the episode. And then if you have a guest, include your guest links. That's it. That's all you need. Again, focused on the problems, focused on what you're helping them solve. And if, and only if someone makes it through all five of these gatekeepers and all those gates are open, guess what they're going to do? They're going to click play. Because Here's what you need to understand as a podcaster. If you want to have a top podcast, it's not about how valuable your content is in your episodes, but it's about how good of a job you do at selling the content inside your episodes. Mm. We got to get better at that as professional podcasters. You know, yes, we put a lot of energy into the work that we do. You know, I spend hours preparing Post, pre and post interview, you know, preparing solo casts. I mean, a lot of time goes into that. Of course, I want people to listen, but I can't just hit publish and cross my fingers and hope that they will. <laughs> I've got to let them know why it's worth the listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we come back, we'll find out what Courtney feels about AI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are your thoughts on all the fun-filled AI tools where you just upload your transcript and it spits out everything that will get you, you know, a gazillion listeners. Huh. You know, we've tested a lot of the ones where you upload, you know, your audio or your video. It spits back the show notes, the social media captions, the emails, all of that's great. But what I recommend is that you as the host put your eyes on it before it goes out. Yeah. Tweak it so that it sounds like you. Make sure that it's what you want represented. You know, it's representative of your brand. So you need at least, if you're going to use those tools, use them. Save the time. I'm all for that. But look at it. Don't rely so heavily on these tools to think that they're going to do the work for you. Because at the end of the day, you're the host. You, Chat GPT doesn't know your listener. You know your listener. Or you should. That's your job anyway. And so yeah. you need to put it, you know, you put something in chat GPT or any of these other ones, right, to, to spit out show notes, which, of course, you can't load up, upload audio to chat GPT, but the other podcast specific ones, look at it before it goes out. 
Make sure yeah, that it's what it's you for, want to share. One of the things you mentioned a, a couple times here is the psychology and getting into people's minds and things like that. And I know you have the anti-fragile entrepreneurship.co website and your show. And what do you mean by anti-fragile? Yeah. So this this one, Dave, now look, we could be here. We could record a whole nother episode on this. <laughs> I go down a deep rabbit hole here. To give you the nutshell version of what the word anti-fragile means to me, it means growing through what you go through in life. Growing through mm. adversity because we all face it. The big challenges, the little stuff that gets to you in the course of a day, the ups and the downs on our journey. I didn't come up with that term. There's an author who wrote a book about it, and he comes from a, a risk analysis background. And so he would study financial markets, and then he broadened that into business markets, and he broadened that into other markets and other sectors, and even into just plant life and you know science. And he just kind of looked at all these different facets of the world, and he noticed that you know the, the, the systems or the organisms that could withstand and adapt to adversity or challenge were the ones that were truly what he coined was anti-fragile. Because there's really no true word that's the opposite of fragile. You know, if something's fragile, it means <laughs> it breaks under pressure. You know, and a lot of right. us, you know, we, we think resilience is, okay, that's the opposite, be more resilient. But resilience doesn't mean that you're growing. It just means that you're facing hard things. You might come out a little stronger, but it doesn't necessarily mean you've grown as a person. So hmm. for me, anti-fragile takes that one step further. And I love to look at business through that lens because we all know as business owners, you know, I mean, look at the economy as it is right now, right? That's, that's just one of many things that's affecting the success and growth of your business, and when these adversities come our way, how are we navigating them? There's a lot of people out there who are talking about how to be more successful. Here's what you need to do. Here's the tactics. Here's the strategies. Do this. Wake up at 5 a.m., cold plunge, red light therapy. Make sure you take your colostrum. Okay, minimize your caffeine intake. Meditate for 30 minutes. Then get into your workday. And, and, and you know we're bombarded with all of these messages about how to be successful. Very few people are talking about how are, how do we get better at navigating failure? Are we normalizing failure? Mm. Are we looking at failure as something to avoid? Or are we looking at it as something to be excited about because we know that's where the growth happens? So that's what my show explores. And this really all comes from, you know, when, when I was in my mid-20s. I was climbing the corporate ladder, well on my way, you know, had the nice car, was climbing up, working my way up the ranks and really was doing well by all the world standards. Had met the love of my life. We had gotten married and had a really bad sinus infection a couple weeks before the wedding. And I can remember Dave being like, gosh, I can't wait for this wedding to be over. I mean, it's like a terrible thing to say, you know, <laughs> like, I am so stressed right now. I cannot wait this wedding to be behind me. You know, I just wanted to be like honeymoon, honeymoon. It was like vacation. That's what, that's where my brain was on. So I've gone to see my doctor. And he's like, look, let's do a follow-up when you get back from your honeymoon. Come back, see me. We scheduled that visit. Two days after my honeymoon, I was sitting in the doctor's office. The doctor walks in and sits down and looks at me and says, Courtney, I know this is not the news that you expected to hear today, but this is your new reality. 
because you have cancer. I think my jaw hit the floor. I don't think I picked it up for another five minutes after that. I remember just gripping my brand new husband's hand thinking, in sickness and in health, this is Mm. not how I expected this to go. And in that moment, Dave, I realized that life is fragile. Life is fragile. It can change in an instant. And there are things that happen that we could never predict and that we never saw coming. And I knew that in that moment, I was living a life that wasn't mine. And what I mean by that was growing up, you know, I I had given molded myself to fit what I thought others wanted. You know, at nine years old, my mom was repeatedly telling me, Courtney, your mouth is what gets you in trouble. (laughs) I was outspoken. You know, I was going to tell my opinion whether you like it or not. And that was who (laughs) I was, you know, and I was that little sassy nine-year-old. And my mom was trying to channel that in me. You know, I know she meant well. But one day I internalized that message. And for the next 20 plus years, I didn't use my voice I changed who I was to be accepted, to be liked, to be loved. And what was so interesting about this diagnosis was that it was thyroid cancer. And my doctor was like, look, the good news is it's very treatable. The bad news is you've got this aggressive mutation. It started to spread. We need to operate immediately. The main risk of surgery is that your vocal cords could be severed. And you might never be able to speak again. Wow. Wow. And in an instant, my life changed. Because two things. First, I realized that my voice was a gift, not a given. And then I needed to take it back and use it in a positive way. Use it in an authentic way that was authentic to me, that was the fullest expression of who I am, but in a way that could create change in the world. In a way that could really bring about positive, meaningful change. And number two, I knew that I couldn't keep living the life that I was living because I was following someone else's dreams. I wasn't following my own. You know, it was Mm. go to college, get a job, work your way up, that, that whole life. And so I wish I could say that I walked away from that experience and made a complete 180 and everything was different. I launched a top podcast and the rest is history and it's been amazing. But no, it hasn't. You know, that was the start. (laughs) That was the start of the journey. Entrepreneurship is hard. You know, if if more of us knew how hard it was, we wouldn't have as many entrepreneurs as we have. But I think there's something to be said about entrepreneurs. I think you are already, you already have a propensity toward anti-fragility. You wouldn't be here if you didn't. You wouldn't be doing what you do if you didn't. But are we acknowledging the failures? Are we acknowledging the hard moments? And are we letting them be our guides on the journey and our teachers? So that's what I'm about. That's what I love, you know, and that's what the podcast explores. But that's why. Well, you you definitely have a new listener. Like, if all your episodes are like that story, I'm like, holy cow, that is amazing. Well, how long have you been doing that show? Yeah, so that show we launched in February of 2020, literally a week before the whole world shut down. <laughs> we were like on the front end of the <laughs> podcast, you know, train that came with the mm. pandemic. But 
you know, the podcast was a dream of mine that was in my heart for a good two years before that, that I dragged my feet on and, you know, had all the same doubts that everybody has and all the same reasons and excuses for why I couldn't do it and wasn't ready and all of these things. And when I finally decided to do it, I realized, you know, it was like, why haven't I been doing this sooner? I mean, you've been in this game a lot longer than I have, Dave, you know, but even those three years have been transformative for me, not just as a host, not just in my business. Has it impacted my business? Absolutely. But for me, because podcasting has helped me rediscover my voice. So what happened between the two years of I should have a podcast? I should start a podcast. So what finally was the tipping point that made you press record? You know, for me at the time, I was a young mom, a new mom. My son was home with me full time. He was about 18 months. He wasn't in daycare. And I was in the very early stages of building my business. I was a few years in Mm. and I didn't have a huge budget for ads. I also was relying on social media to get the word out about my business beyond just my warm audience. And I only had the nap time nooks and crannies to work. I mean, look, my son, I was going to ask you like, one of those kids that would not nap. I'm like, child, you have been up now for how are you not tired? You know, I'm so tired right now. So he was just one of those that he's very active, would not nap. If he napped, it was maybe 30 minutes, 45 minutes. And so I had to be really intentional with my time. Yeah. So what I would do is I would walk the neighborhood and we would, I mean, go for miles because that was my hands free time. You know, I'd strap him in the stroller. He'd have his little toys and snacks and I'd just be in my AirPods, you know, walk in, listening to podcasts. And I would listen and listen and listen because I was trying to figure out how to market my business more effectively. And then one day, I don't know why this didn't click sooner, but one day it finally clicked. And I was like, why not a podcast? I'm listening to all these experts tell me how to market my business, but I'm not looking at what they're doing to market theirs. They're podcasting. That's a good point. And then I got really curious because I was like, well, what else are they doing that I haven't paid attention to? I'm listening to what they're telling me, but I wasn't watching what they're doing. So I started watching. And then I started thinking, well, if they did that, why not me? Why couldn't I build a stage for my audience? Same kind of thing. And then I realized, you know, because of course, then you go through the thing in your head, well, I don't have a big audience and I'm not going to be successful with a podcast. I need to build the audience before I have the podcast. And then I realized a lot of these podcasters, Tim Ferriss, Amy Porterfield, Joe Rogan, Jordan Harbinger, they've all been podcasting long before they had the audience. Mm. You know, Amy and Tim, they started their podcasts before TikTok ever existed. Joe Rogan, he's been podcasting before Instagram and Snapchat. You know, you, Dave, you've been podcasting before a lot of these social media channels ever existed. So I got really curious and I'm like, well, if they didn't have the big audience before they had the successful podcast, then how did they grow? How did they become so successful? And I realized that what it boils down to, you know, is not the size of your audience, but how good of a job you do at attracting the right audience so that you can grow. And then I was like, look, if I can dial in that same kind of positioning for myself, and like I said, it was a hot mess in the beginning, you know, dialed in with air quotes (laughs) around that, you know, dial it in. It's definitely been a, a learning journey along the way. But I had that thought and I said, you know, if I could just get my positioning right, know who I'm talking to, 
build my podcast to attract more of those people, then theoretically, I should be able to build an audience too, just like these other people have done. And so that got me excited because then I felt like I had something to work with. And I was no longer up against all these big, scary beliefs in my mind, you know, oh, I don't have a big audience. And oh, what if I don't have the time? And that was another piece because I was like, look, I only have so much time to record. But if one episode can become a new avenue of discovery for someone, imagine what happens when I have 20 episodes. 50 episodes, 100 episodes, 500 episodes, because I saw the power of the evergreen nature of those episodes. Because I was listening to people's episodes from three years ago and they had me hooked. And I'm like, sign me up. I'm downloading your free thing. I'm, do you still teach that <laughs> webinar? You know? So I'm like, gosh, if, if this is what it can do for them, why couldn't it do that for me? And that's what finally got me over that hurdle and into the game. There you go. People always go, well, you know, why would people? And I'm like, well, why not? Why not you? And that's where you got, again, going back to the, I have a friend of mine, uh, Randy Cantrell, that talks about head trash. You got head trash going on there. You need to get rid of the head trash. Take that out. Take the trash out. Well, obviously, I know I'm sitting here smiling through the whole thing. I'm just like, preach on, girl. If uh, if somebody wants to learn more podcasting stuff from you, where's the best place to find that? Yeah. So, you know, we teach a live workshop, usually on a monthly basis, a regular recurring. We do these frequently. And because there's two other pillars of the methodology that we didn't even have time to dive into today. <laughs> so if you're interested in that, especially if you're a visual person, this would be really great for you to come and just, you know, these little takeaways that I've been giving you throughout the episode, come pick up some more tips like that, that you can turn around and apply to your podcast right away. So antifragileentrepreneurship.co forward slash workshop is where you can go to get the details on the next one. If you prefer to listen on the go, we've got a private podcast that also walks you through the three pillars of our methodology. And that way you could just binge it. It's five quick episodes, take it, apply it to your show and move on. And if you want access to that same website, antifragileentrepreneurship.co forward slash access. And either one of those will take you deeper in some of the things that we talked about today, really to help you not just get in the top 100, but to build a strong foundation for your podcast that you can grow from. It's like anything else in life. We know that if you know the house you're building doesn't have a strong foundation, it's going to crumble. Same is true for your podcast. And that's what I'm all about, helping you really reclaim your voice, use it to create positive change, and also have a foundation that you can grow from for the long term with your show. Excellent. I'll have links to that out in the show notes because it's not about just getting them to click play. It's about getting them to click play again on the next episode, the next episode. So Courtney, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. I deeply appreciate you sharing that knowledge. That was awesome. Dave, thank you for having me. This has been so much fun. I loved so much there that I was like, yes, preach on girl. The fact that, you know, be authentic, be, find your voice and make sure it's your voice. Don't try to be somebody else. It's hard to be somebody else. It's easy to be you. And I love the fact that have a good name, have a good description, have good artwork, all that stuff to get people to click. I love that. But I love the fact that I, I heard something. And I was like, that makes so much sense. That whole strategy of go look at your competition and see when they publish and then find the day that has the least amount of traffic. 
I thought that was brilliant. I was like, that's, I, I love easy stuff like that. Now it's not easy. You got to do the work, but I was like, that would be interesting. And of course, make that day fit your schedule. I see so many people that try to make their life fit their podcast schedule. That doesn't work. Look at your life and see how you can make your podcast schedule fit in. A little bit of housekeeping before we leave. I've mentioned this on my website, a couple other different places. YouTube Music had a meeting, and it does not look great. Here's some of the the negative things. Number one, if you go to replace your file, you can after you jump through hoops, but your original file, which will be a video, of course, on YouTube, will be removed. So you'll lose all of your, your traction on that original video. If you have any kind of dynamic ads in your show, uh, that's not acceptable. However, you are allowed to promote something, which is somewhat confusing. So me saying, hey, go join the School of Podcasting is fine. But if I had some sort of service, dynamically insert a progressive insurance ad, that would not be allowed. So if you're a podcaster that never makes a mistake and never has to, <laughs> never has to replace a file and you're not doing ads, then it might be a decent fit for you. I'll be interested to see once this completely rolls out, what kind of traction you get, because the one thing is it is YouTube. I know they keep saying YouTube music and that's the app, but the rules that we're playing by are the rules of YouTube. And I love the fact that the guy from YouTube music said one of the reasons they're not playing the file from your media host, the the fun term for that is pass-through, right? They're hosting the file. One of the reasons is because then you couldn't do things like chapters. And I'm like, you mean like the chapters that are in this actual podcast that you're listening to? So I always love when big giant companies kind of tip their hand to go, yeah, we don't really know what we're talking about. There are chapters in YouTube, and that's the thing. We're playing by YouTube's rules, and YouTube chapters are different than podcast chapters, and they're not a podcast company. So I was not blown away by the offering, and I'll cut it at that. You can read my blog post about that. Again, everything you need is out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 902. As I record this, it's towards the end of the month, so if you haven't answered the question of the month, go over now, schoolofpodcasting.com slash question, and you're missing out on all the fun. We just had more awesome people join the School of Podcasting. We had a comedy writer. We have somebody who works in law enforcement, and I just love the wide variety of people that we have in there. We have marketers. We have retired uh, DJs. We have pastors. It's amazing. We all come under together to help each other make the best content to positively impact our audience. Check it out, schoolofpodcasting.com slash listener, and that will save you on either a monthly or yearly subscription. And don't forget, you can join worry-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So in the future, I'll be doing an episode on, hey, why is this good? That's coming, and I've got a few more episodes of interviews in the can. I try to alternate, one with me, one with an interview. I kind of mix it up. You never know what you're going to get. And one way that you can always get the show is to go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash follow. Thanks so much for listening in. I'm Dave Jackson from the schoolofpodcasting.com. I help podcasters. It's what I do, and I can't wait to see what we're going to do together. Take care. God bless. Class is dismissed. <laughs>